0: Hi, I'm Dan Cottrell, editor of Rugby Coach Weekly. You're about to jump into one of our podcasts. If you want to find out more about this podcast and also all of the great content, drills, activities, games and advice on the website, then go over to www.rubbycoachweekly.net. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to rugby coach weekly podcast i'm dan gottrell just to say that when we record this podcast we had a few internet issues well my internet actually so um it jumps around a little bit but then it gets going and i'm sure that you will really enjoy what owen has to say so i hope you enjoy the podcast and get as much out of it as
1: i did be the best rugby coach you can be. Welcome to Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast with Head Coach Dan Cottrell, where you learn hints and tips from the rugby coaching community. Let's get started.
0: Hello and welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast with me, Dan Cottrell. Uh, we are delighted to welcome to the show Owen Woods. So, Owen, oh, I'm going to start this again because I, are you Wood or Woods?
1: It's with an S, yeah.
0: Yeah, okay. Start again. I had a sudden panic. (laughs) Hello and welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast with me, Dan Cottrell. I am delighted
1: to welcome to the podcast Owen Woods. Welcome to the podcast, Owen. Thank you, Dan. Thank you very much. I'm pleased to be here.
0: Well, I'm going to be delving into... uh, things that I'm quite keen to speak to Erwin about because he works at what I would call the sharp end of real coaching, which is coaching uh, players who probably not necessarily uh, rushed into rugby and are being introduced to rugby for the first time, as well as other players as well. And I'm fascinated to know how we can help all different sorts of players come to the game and develop their interested in the game so that's going to be quite a challenge for Owen so uh, I think he's ready he's still stealing himself for these <laughs> challenges so I'll uh, just start with a little bit of background about yourself before we delve into the questions.
1: Yeah 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 sure um, I got into coaching when my um, eldest started playing so that was at under eight level um, and he's now going into under 14s um, and since then I've done my um, coaching qualifications um, and I'm also a level two referee as well. Um, however, in a in my sort of previous life, if you will, I was a police officer for 17 years. And before that, I served in the Royal Air Force. So I know we're going to talk a little bit later on about um, how that background has shaped my coaching. So I won't go into it in too much detail right now. But, but yeah, um, I'm just out there trying to uh, make a difference, really. Um, trying to get as many children as we can possibly get. Um, into some sort of physical activity to give them um, a positive purpose, really.
0: So you have a job role uh, specifically to do that. Just tell, them, tell us a little bit more about that.
1: Yes, yeah. Um, when I left the police in June last year, um, so nearly almost a year ago, um, I thought that we were missing a trick by not having a community rugby coach um, at the local rugby club, which is Gosport and Fairham, um, down on the south coast, not too far from Portsmouth. So I approached the uh, the mini-youth chair and I said, look, how do you feel if I set up a community rugby coaching role? And he said, that's a fantastic idea. Um, and it started with a vision, really, of being like a school liaison um, officer, if you will, um, but grew rather quickly um, into me going into schools and um, delivering... Uh, PE lessons from key stage two so year three four five and six so anything from sort of six seven year olds up to um, going on to senior school at sort of uh, 11 10 11 year olds.
0: So how do you get into the schools what is the process that says um, uh, we want rugby?
1: Yeah so simply what I did was um, I got Uh, There was 13 junior schools um, within our area. So I simply just got their office email number or email address and um, sent an email saying, look, this is me. Um, This is what I've done in the past. Um, These are my qualifications. Um, I would like to deliver um, PE lessons or after-school clubs or taster workshops for all children of all abilities, both boys and girls, to get them involved within rugby. Um and there was a slow trickle to start with saying, yeah, okay, can we come and meet? Can we talk about it? Um and there's usual things around risk assessments and insurance and so on and so forth. Um but they were got over really quite quickly, to be honest. Um and and yeah, we um we started I started delivery um and then by word of mouth um through the social media channels as well, that's kind of grown. And um, I'm kind of inundated a little bit now with, um, with requests to go into to different schools. I've delivered now to um, six schools, and that's year three, four, five, and six in all of those six schools. So that's approximately sort of 1,200, 1,300 children um, that I've delivered to um, in, in the year.
0: Um, now, are you going to scare us and say you know the name of every child?
1: <laughs> no, and there's a funny there's actually a funny dip there actually um the other day. because um, normally um if I'm having if I'm doing a coaching bit, I'll say, okay, what's your first name? Okay, so if I say number one, you're on Dylan's team, for instance. Um and the other day at the end of the session, they normally line up before they go back to class, and I couldn't remember the name of anyone from that session, so I just guessed a random name, but it so happened to be the name of a child within that class, so it made me look good. And I was like Whew, thank goodness <laughs> for that, I just randomly guessed the name, I think it was Toby actually yeah, I randomly guessed the name and um, it worked out thank goodness, so uh, yeah, yeah I'll have a lot so, of sympathy
0: um, there, I mean it's, uh, the coaches who can remember every child's name is brilliant obviously very very powerful, but if you are in your role, and uh, yeah. I've got a little bit of an excuse, I uh, certainly last season I was coaching five nights a week and I reckon I was seeing over 500 different people at one stage, Yeah, and um I might be um, exaggerating now, but it was a lot of people. And I just couldn't, I could not remember all the names. Uh, it was just impossible. And it was, you knew the power of remembering names. And oh, it's so it, important. It, it, it does, does make a difference, but I can understand why you wouldn't necessarily. And if you are only seeing them for, well, how long is a PE lesson?
1: Um, it depends on the school, but it's normally between about 45 minutes to an hour um but bear in mind there's changing to either side of that so they're, it's i would say probably about 40 minutes is a solid sort of session um sometimes they're they're a little bit longer than that
0: so 40 minutes with say a year three which is about eight year olds what yeah Uh, i mean uh, this is fascinating because there they are they're in the playground or in the sports hall um and they've never played rugby, or one or two of them may have done that, how on earth do you start? You must have done, you must have done these start ones now a number of times, so you must have honed your, yeah, honed for your sure. start skills.
1: Yeah, so in essence, what I, what I always work to what I call the rule of three, um, to start off with um so i will start with a very quick introduction and all of this should take for me no more than about 3 minutes because if they're sat there especially that younger age group for anything more than 2 or 3 minutes they zone out they don't they're not listening and they start to sort of mess around so i would introduce myself just so much. my name's Owen Woods i'm a community rugby coach for Cosmeston Fair and rugby Club, um, and I've come into the club. I've come into school today to deliver lessons to you, um, so you can see what we do down at the rugby club. I then basically say, You're all welcome to come and join us, all abilities, both boys and girls. Um, And that's the first part of that three, and then I'll talk about um the core value so it's sort of set in that sort of behavior contract so our teamwork respect enjoyment discipline sportsmanship so and during the, that i'll the engage tread. them within just, just that a, process i'm just going to yes. stop you there
0: that's for those people who may not be familiar i mean number of people with nodding that so that's the rfu treads so just just say what they are again
1: yeah so it's teamwork respect enjoyment discipline and sportsmanship um, so, yeah, it, it's kind of like, as, as you know, um, it's sort of our behavior contract within rugby that sets us apart perhaps from other sports. Um, and I sort of engage the children in that. So I say, what do you understand teamwork to be? So I get like um, a, an example, one example for each one. Um, and then it will be straight into an activity, um, whatever that might be. So it depends what warm up. Normally in the first, um, the first session I'll use Bulldog as a warm up. Um, because most children know how to play bulldog, um, and it's it's active straight away. Um, and the way I have it is I have them put like a a bib in the back of their shorts, so it's like a tail, so they can call it foxes and rabbits, they can call it sharks and fishes or, or whatever they want to call it. Um, but also it, it then gets them thinking into, when we play tag, how do we tackle? But obviously they don't know that, they're just playing that game of, of, of pulling that tail out um, to try and uh, get their people out and the more people in the middle to make it more difficult. Also, when we, when I'm running through that, we kind of introduce the um, sort of like the defensive line almost. Um, so I say, so what's the, what's the easiest way to stop them from from getting to the other side? And they say, well, we could build a wall. I said, okay, then build a wall. What does that look like? So then they go and they sort of build a wall and you find they're all sort of like hemmed in together, like the honeypot. That we all know as coaches so well. So I say, okay, that that's really, really good. But look how big our box is. And have you covered the whole box? And they're like, oh no. So then they sort of spread out a little bit more. And and then we'll run that that bulldog to the other side again. And then we'll talk a little bit more around. So right then. So you you guys that are running are called attackers. What do you have to do? And they say, We'll try and avoid the um the, the defenders and I said yeah and in rugby we call that evasion so and how can we evade people and they say oh yeah you can jump you can spin you can step and all this sort of stuff so it, it's really good and it's they're developing their own learning from a very simple game of bulldog um, so yeah it, and that's how I would initially start that that first session um, can Google? I just jump,
0: jump in then so uh, yeah 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 I, I mean this sounds like a lovely way to introduce a number of different skills in a soft way without having uh, any um, sort of formal right we're going to do this do this do this so the game let's how many kids have you got when you're doing this
1: yeah it depends on the class size um, but normally it's it can be anywhere from sort of 18 to in excess of 30. So about, I think the biggest class I've had was 34.
0: So when you set this up, how many uh, guys do you have in the middle and how many guys do you have on the, uh, guys being so the a general first... term for players, how many players do you players. have yeah, in the middle yeah, no, how many players me. do you have at, uh, on the edges?
1: So yeah, in, in the middle, I'll normally start with four. Um, so I say it's either girl power or boy power, so I say, right, we're going to start with a bit of girl power because we all know girls are better than boys, and everyone sort of laughs and sniggers a little bit. So we get four four girls into the middle. I said, right, girls, your job, you know what your job is. You've got to try and get as many tails as you can by the time they've got to the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, and you find that they normally take about three or four, maybe one or two, depending obviously on the ability of the people who are in the middle. Um, but if it's kind of like they've gone across twice and they haven't got any. I'll call, put, I'll put in a rule of, okay, the last two people across the line are out ah, and right, those things. Like so it can, so it, so it can, um, it, it develops it w- within that way, but I've only really ever had to use that once because they tend to, they target the person they want to get and they kind of encircle them and get them. Yeah. So so yeah, and then the then the next time it'll be okay, right, we're gonna have some boy power this time. And oh a girl's got three in their first one, no pressure, boys. Let's off you go. Mm-hmm. It, in like that front friendly environment. So so yeah, and, and and it works quite well. And it's quite interesting with the box. That, um you put round um but it's quite interesting to see
0: yeah sorry um sorry the internet cable uh, connection went unstable i was going to make a note of the time for when that happened Mm -hmm. and we'll just uh so i'm just uh can we just go back to uh let's start from where you went to uh talk about um you talked about girl power uh boy power uh just go after the boy power just go uh then i put the boys in
1: yeah and then i put the boys in um for the boy power element and um yeah it's um it's really interesting to to sort of have that little bit of competition between the boys and girls in a friendly sort of way like right boys the girls got three on the first run let's see if you can beat that kind of thing um and it's quite interesting um, how competitive they can get, but it's also what I find interesting as well. With, with that playing area, with that box that that I set up, um, some year threes find it quite difficult to remain within the box. Yeah. Um, so it's quite a challenge that. sometimes. And yeah, yeah. And um, I had to adapt a little bit coaching wise with my explanation because I just assumed that okay, they're standing in front of this big box, it's quite obvious that that's the playing area. But it's obvious to me, but it's not necessarily obvious to them. Um, So it's really important to make that initial sort of instruction almost um, really, really clear and don't just assume that they know because you do.
0: So uh, I was going to ask about the players who um, some... The, there's either the natural sporty ones will be loving this. They'll be chasing around, side Now there'll be others there who the, the worst lesson of the day will be PE for a wide range of reasons. How are you going to uh, be inclusive with them?
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's a very it's a very good question. Um, I find that setting the most important thing is setting the tone of that lesson at an appropriate level for the audience which you have now it's quite a difficult thing to do especially from your in your first session because I've never met the children before I don't have any coach player relationship with them so I don't know what makes them tick I don't know what their strengths are I don't know what their weaknesses are Um, and I find bulldogs is is a really inclusive thing because it's what children tend to play themselves um but you yeah, will have children who have d those sorts of things so i try and speak to the teacher beforehand um and say look are there any specific pupils that i need to be aware of any sort of medical conditions uh sen that sort of stuff and um it normally becomes quite apparent quite early because I can pick up on, on the vibe of what how, how that child's behaving. But I, th- I think the thing is, it's the inclusive element is making sure you set it at that level of the person with the lowest ability, if that makes sense. Um, and it's not about an outcome. It's about a process. Um, so you're not measuring them against an outcome. It's just, are we doing the process right? And I think that's, that's the most important thing for me around inclusivity. Um, I mean, for instance, we had a, uh, a boy who an operation on by his ankles. Um, so he was in a wheelchair. Uh, and the teacher said, oh, he's, he's in a wheelchair. Um, and he wheeled him out with the wheelchair. So I'd, I had no time to prepare whatsoever. So I got my brain working and I thought, well, he can play Bulldog because I can push him in the wheelchair and I can tuck the, um, the bib in the back of his uh, wheelchair and, and we can do bits like that. So um, I obviously said to children, please be aware because obviously there's sharp bits on the wheelchair and so on. Um, and we ended up playing bulldog with him in the wheelchair and he really loved it and he was laughing and all that sort of stuff and i was like making car noises and screechy wheel noises and all that sort of stuff for him so yeah he, he really enjoyed that element there's obviously some elements that he would be unable to um just because of a safety element be involved with um, but yeah it, it is a very difficult balance and i think some of that is an appreciation that perhaps certainly within a big group of about 25 to 30 children if people do have advanced special educational needs, you may not be able to cater for that person individually because there's 29 other children that you have to try and cater for. So it, it's that it's that balancing act. And also, there's a teacher present who watches, and, and they can sort of get involved if a child has um, an episode or runs off or, or whatever. So, um, but yeah, one of the um, one of my most Um, achievements I would say within that within a school environment was a child who in week one had he's got autism and he was so closed that he wouldn't talk wouldn't look at me or anything like that sat down wouldn't get involved so I just left a rugby ball by him and said whenever you feel ready just have a play with the rugby ball and, and just see how it feels and you're more than welcome to join him whenever you want. And then by week six, because it was a six week half term, he was fully engaged from the start and playing really, really well. And I found that really sort of a great achievement because we've gone from someone so close to someone who then gets involved with the, with the lesson.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I love the fact that uh, you're, you're welcome to join them when you're ready. Uh, and they, they come in at their, their own pace. You're listening to a Rugby Coach Weekly podcast. This is part of the rugbycoachweekly.net website. If you click on the rugbycoachweekly.net link, you will find out more about this podcast, but also find access to over 3,000 pieces of content covering drills, activities, games, coaching advice, and lots more to help you and your team with your rugby and your rugby coaching. So why not pop over to rugbycoachweekly.net to find out more and access all this amazing content in the meantime, back to the podcast. Okay. So you've got the session up and running and, uh, some of the kids are always going to be engaged. And we talked a little bit about the kids who are maybe have, have some struggles, but, What do you do about the ones who are being silly, who are or are not engaging and being what we could call perhaps naughty? How do you deal with them?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, disruptivity is um, is an issue, Um, certainly with the younger age classes. And I found this last week with um, two particular schools. I have one school where the year threes are really quite advanced and um, I have no issue whatsoever. Um, whereas with, um, another year three, um, it's completely the opposite and they're, they're sort of functioning and behaving perhaps like, um, year ones, um, would do like the mini minis. Um, and, um, I actually had a meeting with a class teacher yesterday, as it so happens, um, just to discuss a way forward of look, how can I learn, um, as a coach to, am I setting this too high for them? Um, am I setting it, um, can they not reach that? Um, or is it a case of they are being disruptive because they're pushing boundaries and so on and so forth? Um, so on a, on a normal basis, so if it's something that um, a, an individual player has done or something like that, rather than a group of people messing around, I'll stop the game and I'll say, okay. So right at the start, we talked about our core values of rugby. Um, can we remind ourselves what those are? So then we go through the the core values again. Um, and, and we just discussed, so if we are pushing people or we are saying unkind things or we're throwing equipment, does that fit within our core values? And they'll go, no, say, so, okay, let's try and remember that then and move forward. And, and normally that sort of gentle nudge um, can help. Um, you will have some children where that won't help. And I, I think allowing them time to have self-regulation is really good, um, because if they're in a particular a mood or they're having an episode in with their um, if they have any HCP or something like that, and then they're looking and and it's just having them. A chance to sit down and to self-regulate because they won't be able to process what you're saying within that moment and that's where the teachers come in ultimately because they know the child better and they can sit down with that with the child and make sure that they're safe while I continue the, the lesson.
0: So I'm thinking now that um, coaches are listening to this will uh, be outside of Clarkson setting and working with their players mm. on a Sunday morning. Mm. Is it possible to do something like this uh, on a Sunday morning where you've got a less formal situation. There isn't necessarily a teacher at the sideline. But mm. I, I'm sure that plenty of us, and I've been through it myself, mm. have struggled at times with the child who is naughty. And it's really, it's spoiling for everybody. Um, and the this, this session is just not going to function with this player doing what they're mm. doing.
1: Yeah, you know, I, t- I totally get it. And that's a very, very difficult situation, um, certainly within the club setting. I mean, we've had um, a child like that. Um, and, you know, he, he's matured massively over the last couple of years. So he's not so much of an issue at all anymore. But they would be literally if things didn't go their way, they would be throwing things, having uh, tantrums and so on. And It's trying to do as much work as you can do within the constraints of of what you have. And it's involving parents and having discussions. And and I think sometimes as coaches, we can shy away from having difficult conversations. And I think it's very, very important because we know that um, half game rule and all those sorts of things, boys and girls, people with disabilities, we want them involved in rugby. Um, we're a totally inclusive sport but there are times when the safety of everyone concerned has to be the the paramount and as much as I would n- not want to and I've, thankfully never had to say look unless your behavior improves we can't have you here because you know your your affect the safety of other people so it's trying to work the best we can with parents to say look you know what what are the problems what do you see the barriers are um because sometimes it might be the fact that um and someone said it actually a saying to me and it says who drives who to training is it the parent that drives the child or is it the child that drives the parent to training Um, and i think that's quite important um because you quite you can see sometimes that that child really doesn't want to be there and it's their parent that's forced them to go And that's a very difficult situation to try and address as well. Um, And also, um, input from the sidelines during training, where we're trying to train something, for instance, the tackle, and how to safely perform a tackle and how to safely fall. Um, And you get parents who might have played 20, 30 years ago, where the game, as you know, was completely different, um, certainly when I was growing up. And yeah, there's just no... Uh, they and he's trying to say to them look I get what you're doing you're trying to help but you're not at the moment because we have to do it in this way and it's just trying to have those conversations and I know people try and shy away from them um but I find that those can manifest if if they're not sort of addressed in a in a way that is sort of gonna find some kind of resolution
0: a lot of the coaches who will be listening in uh won't have the chance to have a fresh start with a new group. So they can't mm. set things out uh, mm. quite in the same way. And um, I mean, that comes with uh, joys, of course, of being with a new group. But of course, and the other side of it is that you're having time, you're having to spend time to build up a rapport. So for the coaches mm. who are, say, I've had two or three years with my guys, um, mm. I'm using guys a lot, with my players, uh, two mm. or three years with my players, how can I restart my season in a way where I can just get them to a different level of understanding about their behaviour? Given that you Mm. are also coaching uh, probably um, with older, slightly older players as well yourself, what what would you do? Now, given your experience Mm. in the roles you're doing, how would this Mm. season start for you?
1: Um, it's a very good question, actually. And we had this discussion as coaches at the end of last season because there are um, one or two players within the team whose um, attitudes um, are quite destructive. They're not naughty within the sense of messing around in training and stuff. But if someone was to make to uh, make a mistake during a match, um, the person would say, oh, for goodness sake, can you not even pass the ball kind of thing? So it's kind of, we, we're trying to address, right, we don't want to single that individual out because we know that is not how that person will, re, will... They won't respond to that. It will just make the situation worse. So we sat down and had a chat and I said, how about at the start of the season, we get them to um, have what they call... Because um, we're the Pirates is what our team are called. So the Pirates contract. So it's how we behave. And I got that from when my eldest went to a Quins camp. And it had, um, it had like a, a big sort of A3 board. And it said, right, good Quins do this, 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 and this. So we're kind to each other, good in the community, all that sort of stuff. And I said, well, we can use that as ours. And then what we can do is if someone steps outside of that, we can address and say, look, at the start of the season, we all agreed that this was an unacceptable behaviour trait. Um, and you've shown that in the game when you said to someone this. Um, and it's, it's also empowering the players as well to challenge behaviour that they feel isn't within the contract that they've um, sort of agreed to. And I think peer-on-peer challenge is far more effective than potentially coach and child um, uh, interaction, especially when it comes to standards of behaviour um so yeah that's um something we looked at um at bringing in for next season
0: one of the things i find about those those contracts uh is that uh you sort of sign it at the start of the year and then it only ever comes back up when someone transgresses is mm. there a way you think uh, that we can make them living uh, every week without being too um everyone shouts it back at back at us yeah, uh, But everyone's reminded and nudged about it every week, not because something's happened the previous week, but it is mm-hmm. in, a, in a positive way. Uh, this is me yeah. thinking out loud. What, what, how would you do that, given that now it's, I mean, this is my idea? I've just thought of it. Well, I haven't no, thought of no. Someone else is probably did, does this yeah. all the time.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it could be something as simple as... Um, getting that made up into a poster and it'd been on the um, in the changing room or in the clubhouse at the top there where they have their meal after the game or you know it can be if you have a coaching clipboard put on the back of that that kind of thing or or just discussing it um, you know little things like um, and praising positive behavior so when they are positively showing like respect like because like I say all I want to hear is if someone drops the ball I w- the only thing you, I want to hear being said is all right let's fix it next job yeah and and going and tapping them on the back you know the, the professional players that have ran over the try line celebrated too early and dropped the ball it happens um, and it's you know you've got to say look at the end of the day we are a team we we win as a team we lose as a team and rugby is is a game where 14 players try to make that 15th player score um and that's and that's how it should be seen and 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 yeah it's i think if you have that and you foster that environment um within your coaching sessions of look there are no individuals here we're a team you know and the only person you need to compare yourself to is the person that you were yesterday because people all develop at different at different times and at different levels, and and for a top player scoring three tries in a game um, might not be a massive achievement for them because they're so used to just running through people. But but little Johnny there, who who's never made a competitive tackle, hits a competitive tackle in a game that needs to be celebrated because that is a massive achievement for that player. So it, it's just around around that really and building that environment and and when there are transgression challenging that behavior and and just and also praising good behavior um as well so i think that's probably the best way of of doing it as far as i'm concerned
0: yeah i i think it, i'm keen to make these things live uh, rather mm-hmm. than just be i mean i think the posters are useful because it's uh, it's a physical um embodiment of what's going on so you can actually point to it just look just there they are again it's just there around them and then you can then you can come back to it as as you go along so um, right at the start we talked about that you introducing yourself to a new group so you're with a more established group hmm. and uh, it's the start of a PE lesson or the start of a session is it still the rule of three what what do you what are you doing to get things going
1: uh, yeah, normally it's certainly down when we're doing our coaching with, with the boys at the under 13s now going into under 14s level. Um we we normally start with um a game of touch. Um so it, it's literally we come in, get them active early. You get some obviously who come in 10, 20 minutes early, others sort of womble in about five minutes late. Um uh, but, but we yeah, once we get them underway, we we like to get a quick quick game of touch in, get them active nice and early. Um, and then once we've done that, we'll say, right, this is what we're going to be working on in this session. We normally have like a fitness element, um, where like a strength and conditioning type thing. So, um, they'll lead. we have different coaches for that. So that team will lead that for like 15, 20 minutes, whatever it is that we're working on. Um, uh, and then we'll go into, right, so which game zones are we going to use today? What have we highlighted as work-ons from the last game we've played or the last training session that we've had, depending on where it sits within the schedule? Um, so it might be, right, OK, we, we're conscious that we're not moving the wall away from the breakdown quickly enough. So we'll, we'll have a game zone um, to try and do that. Um uh, so we'd work around support um and go forwards within the game principles and things like that, and then we would we would try and then at the end of the game we'd have an adapted game to try and reinforce what they've just learnt within their within their game zone um so so yeah we we'd like to get them active early, mm-hmm. and then you can have that. And, and you find with the boys now, because they're slightly older, you can go beyond the sort of three minutes or so because their attention is more. Um, but you still don't really want to go more than than four or five minutes um, before you're getting them involved again. So, okay. So yeah, that's how we're going to...
0: Now, uh, I'm jumping across questions here. So I'm going right, right. uh, to go to... The question about, again, about organisation. So I, it would be great to work. There's probably a Goldilocks number of players to work at a session, but never worth Either uh, there's too few or too many. Uh, too few, in a sense, is OK, because you can give them some personal attention. Uh, mm. It's difficult if you want to do games, but it is easier to uh, be more intense. Large groups, that's really difficult. So you're working mm. with large groups pretty much all the time in schools. Mm give us some uh, shortcuts to make this
1: uh, this easier yeah i mean it's the thing is it's it is very difficult because of the different levels of ability um but you you tend to find that they kind of self-regulate themselves and and learn at quite a good pace when when their peers are with them so yeah i mean it's I don't think I've ever been in a situation where I've thought this is completely out of control, but I have been quite close to it. <laughs> and it's, um, and you think one thing that's de- I've developed is being comfortable with being uncomfortable um, because, you know, you can't control everything and it's, and it's not a good trait to have as a coach if you try to be like a joystick coach and try and control things. So it, <laughs> I mean, it is very difficult. It's it's something that when you, you start coaching the groups, it's like my first session, if I look back now, my first session wasn't anywhere near as good as my sessions are now because I was finding my feet as well. And I was trying to think, right, how can I engage 30 kids for 40 minutes? What have I let myself in for? Hmm. Um, so, so, yeah, it, it takes time. And you find as a coach that, once you've got those skill sets, you've done the courses, you keep up with your CPDs and all that sort of stuff, um, you can draw on little things. But sometimes as well, if you sit, stand back and observe children, and um, I've done a bit of work with Richard Cheetham as well around play, and it's really quite interesting that if you stand back, kids will invent a game themselves very, very quickly. And you can go and say, oh, that's really good. What, what are you playing there? What are the rules? You know, and you, you can incorporate that within your within your sessions and you can go, all right. And I got I got this idea from from a, from a young boy or young girl at, at this school. And and it works really well because because they enjoy it, you know, so it's it's very difficult and there's no sort of easy fix to it. It's just trying to be as reactive as you can to to those environments that you're in. Um, and accepting do you know what sometimes you will you will fail and it and it won't go how you want it to go um and then you you sit back and you look at it and you think what could i've done differently and you think yeah i could have done that differently but sometimes you think i have no idea i just know i don't know why that's gone the way it has and even if i did something different i don't i don't know how that could have gone and that's why i had that appointment with a teacher that i spoke about the other day um because I was like, I was I was out of ideas really, because I'd tried all the things I'd normally try and it wasn't working. So where do I go to try and get better? So okay, I'll speak to the teacher and say, look, how can we better do this? And he came up with some really simple things like um, because we're suffering this COVID hangover, whereas your year threes, their last sort of proper year of school might have been year R or year 1 so they haven't had that development from the play aspect into the learning aspect within the school environment so it's quite difficult um and it was simple things like if i said right line up behind um behind whoever and they're all like they can't handle that and i'm like that's a really simple instruction how can they not get it and i'm thinking in my mind how i can't make it any easier and the teacher says well we have what's called line spaces because they can't do it so so just say, get in your line spaces and they'll they'll be able to do it. So it's simple little things like that that can make a massive difference. But had I not have asked the question, I would never have been able to solve the problem. So, yeah, it, it is difficult. I love using games
0: uh, and games the kids invent, but sometimes they invent games which do not help at all. <laughs> so how, how do you deal with that? I mean, uh, I was uh, working uh, during the COVID period with a group of under 18s and they were playing a game of touch rugby, which was their default game of touch rugby. And it just mm. was not helping them at all. And it was their mm. rules and they were not mm. too keen to change those rules. Mm. So that's eight under 18s. And yes, that they may mm. be a little bit more ingrained with their habits. How do you help that when the kids go off and invent a game, which is really isn't going to help them progress in a rugby sense. And actually, yeah. possibly, the other problem may be within the game that, that it favours a few and the others just happy to hang on because it's, uh, mm. it's, the, it's the cool kids game.
1: Yeah, no, I get, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, for me, the in-game variations are really, really good um, because you might get players who, who are um, so much better than the, the players around them who are developing Um, And it's putting constraints on individual players or giving other players special powers and and things like that within a game setting. But I suppose um, taking that under 18s example, um, you know, you've got it it depends on your session. Well, in schools, you're trying to give them the foundations of catching, passing, running, movement some sort of understanding of space and support and moving forwards and all those sorts of things. But whereas if you're talking within an under 18 environment where people are choosing to play rugby, um, then you're going to be, you're going to have different goals for that, for those players because they are progressing. They may well have played for a number of years. And, and the way I speak to the players is look, if we do the same thing, you're not learning anything. So, what we need to do is we need to get outside of that comfort zone and say, right, what can we do differently that is going to progress you as an individual player or as a team? Um, So, yeah, if if the game isn't really helping, um, perhaps, you know, you can let them have their five minutes, so five or ten minutes at the start of the session. If that's what they want to do, let them play that so you've kind of pacified that element for them. And then you say, right, now what we're getting on to is we're going to do this. And we're going to make that game a little bit more um, constrained. So, yeah, we can only do touch because we're in the middle of a COVID pandemic. We're not allowed to do tackling. OK. But what we're going to say is, right, you there, you can only take three steps with the ball before you've got to pass. You have got to take five steps before you pass, but then you've got to pass within two seconds. So there's that uh, support element coming in um, and those sorts of things and um, changing like pitch. Um, dimensions and shapes um, sizes those sorts of things um, you know I, I do one where you've got like a circle a circular pitch a circle in the middle scoring zones on the outside um, so you'd have four I know those circles don't have corners because they're circles but kind of on the corners of the <laughs> circle if that makes sense yeah. you've got different colored scoring zones and a red circle in the middle so you say right we're going to that one there but if you go through the middle on the way Um, you get double points instead. Um, So it's like their awareness around the pitch, they're moving into space, all those sorts of things. So, so yeah, I think there's quite a bit you you can do, but I think you can stand there as a coach and say, that's not working, That's, that's not a good idea to your group. But if you show them, then I find that they're more receptive to... Well, actually, I had a real lot of fun there because we were on a circular pitch. The scoring zones were changing. You added all these little bits in about getting double points. You said that big, big bad Ben who runs through everyone can't run through everyone because he can only take three steps and it increases everyone. And they say, right, everyone on your team must touch the ball before you can score. Those sorts of things, you know, Um and then you can add all sorts of different things. You can put different colored bibs in and you can say, right, the only person who can score is the person in the, in the red bib, but the only person you can pass to them is the person in the white bib. Off you go. Go solve that problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they, get, they really get into it and they're like, this is awesome. And it's kind of the game they were playing anyway, but you're just putting variations in to make it more difficult for them, but they don't realize that they're learning because they're still having that fun. And I think that's the key. Certainly within the age grade setting.
0: So I'm gonna, I mean, I'm excited by the game and uh, the outcomes. I'm gonna just put a curveball in. Go on. It's the <laughs> it's the kid who says this game's rubbish. I don't like it. It's not working for me. Uh, let's go back to the previous game.
1: How do you deal yep. with that one? And and you do get that. And I've had that before in, in schools at the end, because I always say, oh, did you enjoy your lesson? And there's always that one child who says no. Um, and what you've got to look at is, and again, it's like life. Um, and it's not dismissing that child, but it's when you're juggling a load of balls in the air and you bend down to pick one up, you drop another one. Um, and I think as a coach, you've just got to accept sometimes that you can't please everyone and that's okay. But if there are reasons why, if he comes to me and says, look, I really didn't like that game, and the reason I didn't like that game was, and they give you like a valid reason, you go, right, I totally understand where you're coming from. How can I make that more inclusive for you and have that conversation with that player? I totally get you didn't like the game, you've told me that, but how can we adapt it so that you enjoy that game? And having the conversation saying, look, we're not going to go back to that simple game that you're used to, because then you don't progress as a player so if we make it a little bit more difficult for you you can then progress as an individual and as a player because one thing you you find certainly from when from when I grow up to now is society has changed massively with regards to resilience and at sports days there were winners and there were people who weren't successful and so on and now it's all about participation which is good and I, I don't dismiss that but when you then start to try and stretch that element of resilience it can be quite tricky because they're not used to being within that uncomfortable area that out of their comfort zone feeling if that makes sense
0: yeah and uh, i would i would add to that when i first was doing my teacher training oh, 1994 so that's quite a hell of, that's a long time ago um somebody said i think they didn't there wasn't actually a lecturer standing up and saying that but they said it in passing you got to, uh, You have your best ever lesson. Uh, even then, one won't understand it, and one won't like it. So if you if you know that, then you won't you won't come away disappointed. And I have said mm. that to some coaches. He says, oh no, that's terrible. Should everyone? Well, you 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 can't convince everybody, um, and you've just got to go with it. And I, I really like what you said earlier about uh, you've got a, a group of thirty. You're not going to. You're going to have to know it's not going to go right every single time, and not everyone's mm. going to be fully engaged. It's trying to steer steer it as much as possible, so more players can be involved and more players mm. can um, enjoy. But with thirty, your learning outcomes are going to be different and mm, modified sure. to if you're working with with ten. Um, mm. It's a pretty big topic and we've spent quite a lot of time already talking about some really mm. important things. I just want you to touch a little bit on your uh, experiences uh, from the, the police force and mm. how that maybe has informed your coaching so that not, not all of mm. us have uh, been in the police force. And uh, mm. therefore, what sort of things can you help us understand would, would make our relationships with the players and the parents more effective?
1: Yeah, certainly. Um, as you can imagine, I uh, <laughs> within 17 years of policing, there's not much I haven't really seen or or, or been involved in, um, unfortunately, some to to the detriment of my mental health. And I, I got PTSD, but that's that's another conversation. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's the way I looked at it. Rugby was my savior for a long time. It was my sort of way to de-gas from the stressors of work. Um, and obviously now this is, I don't work in the police anymore and I'm doing this full time and it's, well, I say full time, but yeah, and that's the only thing that I do is the coaching side of it. And, and yeah, I love it. I really do. And when you look at society as a whole, um, certainly looking at it with the policeman hat on, society's broken in, in many ways. And it's how do we as individuals um, try and solve the problem of a broken society? And I'm not as naive to think that I can solve a broken society on my own. Um, uh, But what I do know is that if you give people a common purpose and you give them a safe place and somewhere that they feel that they belong, um, then you can really change people's lives. Because if you look at it from the way of... um, these young children who get involved in um, what they call county lines, so taking drugs and all these sorts of stuff and delivering them to other areas of the country, they are vulnerable people themselves who have been deliberately exploited by ruthless criminal gangs, ultimately. So if we can be ruthless coaches within a sporting environment, we can capture their attention and use it in a positive way instead of a negative one and you know I joined the police because I wanted to change lives and to help people and it rapidly got to a, a place where unfortunately we weren't being able to do that we were fire brigade policing so you just go in there putting the fire out and waiting for the next call whereas now I really think because of all those experiences I've had within the police that I mean, you look back into the 1995 World Cup in South Africa and Nelson Mandela, and we all know Nelson Mandela's story and how he used rugby to unite a post-apartheid South Africa. Um, And that shows you the power of sport. And I think that if we can put, and this is my vision, is to put Gosport and Fairham Rugby Club at the heart of Gosport and Fairham community so that people know this is a safe space you can come here you can play rugby you can have conversations you know parents can come they can have a beer at the end of the game obviously the children can't mm. <laughs> um they can have their cheesy chips or, or or whatever and and just be part of something positive um work and, and you set people up for life with you know your your treads that we've already spoken about and you know, those behavior contracts, and you'll find that it radiates out into all other areas of life. So, and and it's like I say to the kids, look, yes, Treads is about rugby, but it's also about life. If you have those values in school, if you have them at home with your siblings, out in the community, and all those sorts of things, then you are creating a better place. And I say to the kids, look, you're the future of Gosport. If you stay in the area or wherever you go, you are the future, and you can affect change more than I can. And um, by the way and the decisions you make and the behaviors that you display w- within the community setting. I mean, we had a child, I can't say too much about it, but was in, in trouble with the law. Um, and he started very recently with us at the club. And, you know, I'm, it's been a massive change for him. And he's now making more positive decisions, making safer decisions in the community and hasn't been in trouble since. Um, and that's just one example. Um, And I can guarantee within those 1,200 children that I've delivered to in the last year, yes, there will be some children that will go on and make poor decisions and be in trouble and their life path will be what it is. But if we've just stopped one person from going down that route, then it's beneficial for me because I've seen what the other side of it is. And it's not nice. And that is why I do what I do, because I'm driven by how do we make society better you know and um hopefully it's making a huge impact on some of the children that that we have
0: i mean that's uh, fantastic that you were able to share that with us because uh, first of all it's it's very moving that uh you've been through obviously a very difficult time and Mm. that you've been able to come back and give us uh this sort of opportunity, or not when I say us, I say rugby as a community and all those kids uh, who have come in and been involved with the rugby club. And I mean, the, the, these kids and their decision-making, if we can influence them, then that's absolutely fantastic. So, I mean, that's why, um, I mean, we'll talk about the intricacies of making a tackle or um, mm. how you uh, scrummage more effectively. But it's the way that you put it across and the way that uh, if they make a mistake, it's seen as a mm. as something which is positive, not just negative. That That's very helpful. So uh, can you just sort of give us I mean, because not all of us have been through. The extraordinary journey that you've been through, and it's, it's not, I mean, it's not the sort of journey that you'd want anyone else to go through, in a sense. <laughs> no, quite. But mm. th- there are obviously some amazing things that should come out of it. Your normal coach who comes along who's not had uh, that background or a teaching background gives a couple of easy wins that can start us and make us a bit more confident to do, to be that, that coach who can help that that player who might be struggling?
1: Yeah, I would say, first and foremost, create an environment that is conducive to allowing people to make mistakes and also like an open door policy, you can come and talk to me whenever you want kind of thing. Obviously I know the safeguarding issues around that and you can't have children phoning you on your personal phone, I get that. But it, certainly within the, within the sessions, within those environments, you start to get to know your players and you can see if they're off, off, off course. And you think, mm, well, actually, why is this player gone from this to this? And you can have that conversation with them. But it's about being observing. Because sometimes when you're in the middle of something and you're coaching a specific element like a tackle or a scrum or whatever it might be, you, you, you might be missing the, the outer dynamics of the group. So why is child A and child B? There's a bit of friction between them. What, why is that? You might miss that because you're so engaged. So if you can step back and look and think, right, okay, so how can we have that conversation? For me, it's, it's about communication. A lot of it is communication. You know, certainly within the players that you coach for any degree of time, you know what they're like, you know what their habits are like. You know, the player that turns up 20 minutes early, you know, the player who's normally a little bit late. Um, But when that 20 minutes early player is turning up late, you're thinking, right, so what's changed now? What has changed? Because they've had a complete shift. And it might be the fact that, oh, they've become a carer or their mum's not been very well so that... They've gone through a massive thing to actually get to training, so you don't want to single them out and say, "Oh, you're late." In the behaviour contract, you said ten minutes early. You're late. Why are you late? And then it makes them feel bad, when in actual fact there's a perfectly reasonable explanation as to why they're late. So, yeah, creating environments is is one really really easy win for me. Um, certainly, creating that environment where um, they can be creative. They can make mistakes, and there won't be any comeback from that mistake um, and and listening and observing, watching what is going on, listening to conversations that the players are having um. I think I think then you can sort of gauge that dynamic of a group because you can watch a group and you can think that, right, that's a really good cohesive group or you can look and you can think, well, actually, there's something a little bit disjointed here. Where is that originating from and can we solve it? Um, And I think what some coaches do, and I've been guilty of doing it in the past as well, is right. So child A and child B don't get on fine. We won't put them on the same team then. And we'll just we'll just it's easier but we're not addressing the problem and where does that fit in with treads? because yeah you'll go through life and there'll be some people that you won't particularly like but you still might have to work with that person so we're doing them a disservice if as children we're avoiding the issue instead of confronting it right why don't and it might be something as simple as oh because he called me a name at school well okay well let's sort this out then Shake hands, we leave it, What off the pitch is off the pitch, we're now a team here, and you put them on the same team and and they get over it and they grow and they're better for it. And I, and I think it's, we, we need to address that and we need to try and problem solve it instead of trying to skirt around it and avoid it. It's coming back to that, let's have some difficult conversations if we need to.
0: I really like that idea that uh, they have, sometimes they've got to work with someone that they may not like now. And they may not yeah. ever like, but that's uh, that's that's the team, and uh, there are, there are life lessons in that. You can you have to deal with people who you disagree with, and for sure, very, it's very unfortunate. I think that society has created a situation. If you disagree with somebody, you immediately don't like them. Sometimes you just say, "Let's agree to disagree," but we we'll love this. So let's. And that's find the thing: money. the amount of, uh,
1: and even within the work setting, within that police environment, you know, it's okay to disagree. We're not all going to disagree. That's why you have a rank structure. The inspector makes the decision, the sergeant makes the decision, you do what you're told. You don't necessarily agree with it, but that's what it's about. You've had your say and you get on with it. And I think we, we lose that in life a little bit. I just need to nip and get my charger because the uh, battery's getting low on the laptop. So I won't okay. be too seconds. <laughs> I'm just going to have to do a bit of jiggery-pokery because the lead's not very long, so, right we we charging now, okay that's the wrong charger, sorry I'll go get the other one. <laughs> <laughs> That's better. That's working now. Sorry about we'll that. Back it. No,
0: that's okay. That's okay. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna wind the thing up anyway because I think we've done a good a good. I mean, lots of brilliant things there anyway. So, yeah. um, we we've just got to. I uh, just, just yeah. I think we'll just we'll we'll, we'll wind it up. Wind it up there. So I'll do a winding up sort of talk. Then. Uh, so uh, we've covered a load of different things. There were a couple of other questions that's going to ask you around uh, coaching your own. Sun and that sort of thing but uh, that that should be for another time it's been really good to catch up and thank you very much for sharing not just the uh the stuff which is exciting and is fun but the hard parts as well of uh, coaching which um are important to understand and we shouldn't turn away from them we should see what they are and the way that you've 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 dealt with them and continue to deal with them and also even with your experience so far have said i've actually got to go and talk to a teacher last week and find out more and uh, we can we can all do that no one's uh, no one's an island and uh, everyone should be willing to to reach out so i mean if you just give us maybe something to think about and take with us uh into uh into our next sessions what what would that be? I mean, there's a whole range of things. And of course, I've put you on the spot. So uh, you'll probably think of something now and then think later, there's a better one. But just mm. give us one one thing that we might take away from, from all of this.
1: I would say, and it's a cliche, but it's not about me. That is, that's the main thing. Um, yeah, I can learn, but I think Pep Guardiola said it. And I know that's the circular ball of an unknown origin game. <laughs> but um, he said... The game belongs to the players, and I help where I can. And I think that is a really good sound bite for, for certainly my coaching philosophy um, and, and going forwards. Let them play, let them play, and we, we achieve more when they are learning. And the best thing to learn is by letting them experiment, letting them get things wrong. Um, and the score at the end of the game, certainly at junior level is only one way of measuring success. Mm. The other bits are, how have, how have we done it? How have our players played? Um, what have they done in achievement? So if you're saying, right, I want to make sure we win our breakdowns because we're not very good at that at the moment, have a little clicker. Click every time you win a breakdown. Yes, you may have lost the game. You may have got hammered. But you say, yeah, but we won 10 of our breakdowns, which is better than last week. And that's what I wanted you to concentrate on. So well done. And it's reframing that that cognitive reframing of it. Um, so yeah, don't get head up on who wins and who loses. It doesn't matter um, at junior level. Obviously, at performance level, Robbie, that's a totally different thing. But at junior level, get them out there, get them having fun, let them make mistakes, and watch the smiles on their face. And then you can stand back and watch them grow, and think you've been part of that, and that's brilliant. Ah, brilliant. That's a lovely way to end to end this bookend. Um... Uh, really interesting
0: and um, yeah, lots to think about. Uh, pod, so oh, and that's brilliant. Thank you very much for that. This is no, a rugby- thank you. No, thank you. I was, good. I was just about to launch into the rugby thing, but it oh, sorry, been- mate. No, no, <laughs> that's brilliant. No, it has been really good, and your enthusiasm in particular for uh, why you want to do it is uh, is really inspirational. I think, and I think that uh, sometimes uh, coaches go there. And they, they forget that they've got such a, a chance to help in, in small ways. It's small wins. It's not a, the massive win you expect. It's just a gradual process. Like the boy with the ball, um, it took him mm. six weeks before he was involved. But it was just a tiny, the incremental improvements make, make a difference. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just about to launch into my Rugby Coach Weekly spiel, so I shall go free, but let's be really good. <laughs> okay, I so, won't talk again. <laughs>
1: okay,
0: thank you, thank you. So, this has been a podcast for Rugby Coach Weekly, rugbycoachweekly.net. So, if you want to find out more about this podcast and uh, links to some of the things that we've been talking about and any of the other podcasts, just go to rugbycoachweekly.net and uh, click on the podcast link. And um, thanks again, Owen, for your time. You're welcome. Uh, You are allowed to speak then. Oh, uh, (laughs) Yeah, you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you everyone for listening and we'll catch up with you soon. Bye-bye.
1: Thanks for listening to Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast. If you want to hear more podcasts, head over to rugbycoachweekly.net and click on the blogs tab to catch up on any episodes you've missed. We look forward to speaking to you again soon with more insights from coaches and experts from the world of rugby, sport and learning.